No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today, we return to the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah warns King Zedekiah that Jerusalem will fall and he will go to Babylon and die in peace. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 34 on Simply the Bible. The year was 588 B.C., two years before the destruction of Jerusalem, and Nebuchadnezzar's army was successfully conquering Judah. The last two fortified cities besides Jerusalem were about to fall. Lachish, 23 miles from Jerusalem, and Azekah, 18 miles away from the capital city. The Jews living in Jerusalem were desperate, so they did what desperate people often do. They made promises. We continue in Jeremiah chapter 34. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord. When Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army, all the kingdoms of the earth under his dominion, and all the people fought against Jerusalem and all its cities, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, go and speak to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and tell him, Thus says the Lord, behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall burn it with fire. And you shall not escape from his hand, but shall surely be taken and delivered into his hand. Your eyes shall see the eyes of the king of Babylon. He shall speak with you face to face, and you shall go to Babylon. So King Nebuchadnezzar had already laid siege to Jerusalem. And so this was the word of the Lord to Zedekiah that God was going to give Jerusalem over to King Nebuchadnezzar and that King Zedekiah would not escape. And in fact, he would see King Nebuchadnezzar's eyes and speak with him face to face. But then he would watch as his sons were killed before his eyes and King Nebuchadnezzar would pluck out his own eyes and then take him to Babylon. So he would go to Babylon, but he would never really see it. Yet hear the word of the Lord, O Zedekiah, king of Judah. Thus says the Lord concerning you, you shall not die by the sword. You shall die in peace as in the ceremonies of your fathers, the former kings who were before you. So they shall burn incense for you and lament for you, saying, Alas, Lord, for I have pronounced the word, says the Lord. Then Jeremiah the prophet spoke all these words to Zedekiah, king of Judah in Jerusalem, when the king of Babylon's army fought against Jerusalem and all the cities of Judah that were left against Lachish and Azekah, for only these fortified cities remained of the cities of Judah. So at this time, all of the other cities of Judah had already fallen. There were only three left, two outside of Jerusalem and then Jerusalem. But here was the deal. Zedekiah would die in peace. Even though Zedekiah had disobeyed the Lord, he would still die in peace. And probably what happened was after all of this went down, uh, after his eyes were plucked out and he went into Babylon, he had time to think about everything. You know, he had been a weak leader. He had had some respect for Jeremiah, but he wasn't strong enough to stand up to his advisors 
and surrender to King Nebuchadnezzar as Jeremiah told him to do. But it seems that he made his peace with God and God said that they shall burn incense for you. Well, the word incense doesn't actually appear in the original language. It's just saying that they would do a burning for him as they would do to honor the kings of Judah. They would do a big bonfire and it was a celebration of their life. It was an honorable celebration. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord after King Zedekiah had made a covenant with all the people who were at Jerusalem to proclaim liberty to them, that every man should set free his male and female slave, a Hebrew man or woman, that no one should keep a Jewish brother in bondage. Now when all the princes and all the people who had entered into the covenant heard that everyone should set free his male and female slaves, that no one should keep them in bondage anymore, they obeyed and let them go. So there was the law concerning Hebrew slaves. If you were a Hebrew and you were in debt, you could sell yourself to another Jew and he could keep you as a slave for six years. But in the seventh year, he had to set you free. And so they decided to do a covenant where they would finally release these Hebrew slaves because they hadn't done it. And so now they decided that they would do it. But afterward, they changed their minds and made the male and female slaves return, whom they had set free and brought them into subjection as male and female slaves. Now, why did they do this? Why did they suddenly change their minds and decide to release the slaves? Well, probably what was happening was that as King Nebuchadnezzar was outside laying siege to the city, they thought, we better get things in order and do things right here. And so they decided to set the Hebrew slaves free, hoping that a miracle would occur and that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar would back off, sort of like what happened with the Assyrians during the days of Hezekiah. And then Nebuchadnezzar did back off because what happened was Zedekiah had reached out to the Egyptians, tried to become allies with them, and the Egyptians had come out from Egypt to make war against King Nebuchadnezzar. So King Nebuchadnezzar left the siege in Jerusalem, made war against the Egyptians. The Egyptians retreated. But when King Nebuchadnezzar left Jerusalem, they thought, hey, well, the hour of crisis has passed. And so they thought, well, we're going to have to rebuild Jerusalem. And so they went back and got their slaves again and made them slaves. And unfortunately, this is what people often do. When the heat is on, when there's pain, they make promises to God, but when the pain goes away, when the crisis passes, then they renege on the promises that they made. Therefore, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I made a covenant with your fathers in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, saying, At the end of seven years, let every man set free his Hebrew brother, who has been sold to him, and when he has served you six years, you shall let him go free from you. But your fathers did not obey me nor incline their ear. So when God delivered them from Egypt, they had been slaves in Egypt, and God set them free. And when he did, he brought them to Mount Sinai, and he entered into the covenant with them, and he said, this is what you are to do. In the seventh year, you're to set your Hebrew 
slaves free, just like I've set you free. But your fathers didn't obey me. They didn't keep the words of this covenant. Then you recently turned and did what was right in my sight, every man proclaiming liberty to his neighbor, and you made a covenant before me in the house, which is called by my name. Then you turned around and profaned my name, and every one of you brought back his male and female slaves, which he had set at liberty at their pleasure, and brought them back into subjection to be your male and female slaves. So God said, you turned and you did what was right. That was good. You set them free. And you made this oath, this covenant in my house. So they did this before the Lord. It was a solemn oath that they took that they were going to free their slaves. But then you turned and profaned my name. Now, if you declare an oath in the name of the Lord and then you don't do what you've said, then you have profaned the name of the Lord. You've taken his name in vain. And they had reneged on their commitment. Now, we often do this, in a sense, in that God has set us free from our sins. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's pardoned us. But then we don't always want to pardon others for the sins that they commit against us. And maybe we realize that we should, but then we start thinking about what it is that they did to us, and we get angry, and we get upset, and then we, we take that forgiveness back. We don't let it go. Uh, now, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so it's the same principle here. The Hebrews had been set at liberty, but then they would not give liberty. We have been set at liberty forgiven from our sins, but then we don't always want to forgive others. We want to lay claim to them and hold that resentment rather than letting it go and giving them the freedom, the liberty, the pardon that pleases the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, you have not obeyed me in proclaiming liberty, everyone to his brother and everyone to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim liberty to you, says the Lord, to the sword to pestilence and to famine. And I will deliver you to trouble among all the kingdoms of the earth. And I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not performed the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut the calf in two and pass between the parts of it, the princes of Judah, the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs, the priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf I will give them into the hands of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life. So God said, you wouldn't proclaim liberty to others, so I'm going to proclaim liberty to you. I'm going to release you to the sword, to pestilence, and to famine. I'm going to deliver you to trouble. Now he refers to the fact that when they took this covenant in the house of God, they cut the calf in half as they made their pledge. And this was an ancient ritual in taking an oath. The idea was that if you did not do what you said you were going to do, then the same fate that happened to that animal would happen to you. The animal gave its life for the oath, and if you didn't do what you said, then you would be cut in half. So God says, this is what's going to happen. You made the oath, you cut the calf in half, but then you reneged on that oath 
Therefore, your bodies shall be meat for the birds and the beasts. And I will give Zedekiah and his princes to those who seek his life. And Nebuchadnezzar, who you think is gone, I'm going to bring him back. He's going to come. He's going to lay siege to Jerusalem. He's going to destroy it and burn it. Now, the principle here is that when God has told us something in his word, it's good that we do those things that are right in his eyes. And if we make an oath to the Lord, if we make him a promise that, God, we're going to do this because things have gotten so bad, I know I need to get things right, it's absolutely essential that we follow through on what we say we're going to do. Now, fortunately, we live under the new covenant, which is based upon God's faithfulness to us, whereas the Old Testament was based upon their faithfulness to God's word. We are justified by what Christ has done for us. Nevertheless, we need to be quick to forgive others and to set them free from those resentments that we might hold against them, even as we are so blessed that we have been set free by God from our sins against him. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, and please leave us a review. Tomorrow, we will see that when Jeremiah offers the Rechabites wine, they refuse to drink it because they have always obeyed the commandment of their father. But God's people would not obey him. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Jeremiah on Simply the Bible.